Good morning. Good morning, church. If you're new, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you're with us this morning on this beautiful morning. Hello to everyone online as well, and to those of you on the phone, we all say hello as well. I'm really glad to be here this morning with you, church. We're going to continue our exploration of the book of Psalms this morning. So if you, would, if you have a Bible with you, you could open it up. We're going to look at Psalm 46. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. It's also printed on the handout that hopefully you were given when you came in. This is the psalm for today in our Bible reading plan as well. It shows up on this Sunday. If you don't have one of those Bible reading plans and you'd like to get one, we have them right inside at the Welcome Center. They're printed off for you, or you could go to our website and you can click and download one for your phone and follow along with us. I want to start by reading this psalm out loud, and then we will pray together. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Pray with me. Lord, what truth, what beauty in this psalm. Lord, would you please fill all of us with your spirit in a fresh way this morning that we could hear from you what you have for us today. Would you impress upon our hearts who you are and who we are and how you are with us. God, would you stir in us, stir us up to love and enjoy you together. Thank you for this day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. What a beautiful psalm, eh? It's about the strength, presence, protection of God who is with us and he's for us. It celebrates God's certain defeat of all the forces of evil who oppose his loving rule. And finally, because of that reality, each one of us is called into a subversive stillness in which we know and experience that God is God. At a high level, if you look at it and kind of zoom out for a minute, it's broken into three sections. And you can see where those sections are because each one ends with the term Selah that liturgical term. Look at the end of verse 3, end of verse 7, and then you can see it again at the, ver at the end. And those are meant to be points of pause 
where we slow down and we think and we listen and we hear. But the psalm starts, and section one starts with, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Talk about a sentence to cling to. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is a very present help in trouble. And then the next two sections of this psalm proclaim very similar truths about God, but in a more poetic and imaginative way. Verse 7 and verse 11 are identical. They say, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So three times in this psalm, the truth is proclaimed that God is our refuge or fortress and that God is present with us. God does not want us to miss out on the life that comes and flows out of that truth. So he knows that we can be slow to hear and even slower to absorb and apply what we hear in our heart. So he repeats himself three times so that we just will not miss this truth. He is with us and he is our fortress. First, I want to think about the phrases, God is a very present help in trouble and the Lord of hosts is with us. And then we'll go on to the others. So think about this. If another follower of Jesus was having a hard time, was struggling, and they asked you, where is God? Where is God in this? That question rises up when we're faced with challenges, with obstacles that we can't overcome and suffering. Where is God? The truth is, God is near us. He is present with us. He is at hand right here. He has not left us. Our circumstances, our sin, our fear, our anxiety, anything that could threaten us is far from us compared to how near he is to us. Even those who are closest to us are far from us compared to how close God is to us. But it can be challenging to remember that, right? It can be challenging to feel that in our bones and internalize that truth that is so basic yet so hard to feel. God, the Lord of hosts, is with us. You know, another translation translates that God, the Lord of hosts, in a way that I think is a bit more helpful for us because I don't know about you, but I don't use the word hosts very often in everyday conversation. But another translation says, God of angel armies in place of the Lord of hosts. I think that's a bit more helpful for us today. The God of angel armies is the one who is present. The triune God with all authority and sovereignty and control is the one who is present. The one who commands armies of angels who battle against evil on behalf of his people. So the God of angel armies is very present with us, but when? And this psalm says he's present with us in trouble. He's very present with us in trouble. So when things are at their worst, God is with us. When all seems hopeless, God is our very present help. Jesus promised us something very similar. The very last sentence in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28, 20, says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Even though Jesus was about to leave them physically, those he had been with, his disciples, he was going to be with them. He promised them that and he promises us that. And we know that not just because of wishful thinking, 
or because of some sentimental thought about him being near, but because of a massive transformation that those early followers went through. They went from being afraid and confused and unsure of what was going to happen after Jesus died on the cross, hiding in an upper room, to being bold proclaimers of the gospel, that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. Death could not hold him and that he ascended to God's right hand where he rules then and he rules now as the earth's rightful Lord over all things. They went from this cowering people to bold proclaimers in the face of opposition that Jesus is the saving king because God was with them. Because the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon them and filled them, they became different people. Jesus began an important ministry on earth. He was proclaiming the kingdom and he was enacting the kingdom. And then we read in the book of Acts that his early followers continued that ministry. They continued to do the things that Jesus did. How? Why? Well, because he was with them. Because he was present. And it wasn't just for them, though, in the book of Acts. It's for us now. We continue that same ministry that Jesus and then his early followers did. We are his body on earth animated by him to carry out his work and ministry in the same way that he did. He animates us. He moves us. He strengthens us. Church, we need to be reminded of that every day. When we wake up each day, we need to adjust ourselves to the reality that we are living in God's presence. What could be more important than remembering God is near? This very basic fact about reality. God is at hand. Think for a minute. How do you think your day would change if you lived with an awareness of God's presence right here? Both within you and all around you. Think about that. What would that change about the day? Today. I know for me, It changes me both internally and then externally how I interact with people. When I'm faced with sadness or disappointment or an unexpected interruption that I don't know if I can handle, knowing that God is with me and at hand changes that circumstance because I know his power and grace and mercy are right there. His hand is upon my shoulder, as Psalm 139 says, to walk with me through it. I'm not alone in it. And then when a friend calls and says he's ill or a loved one is going through a circumstance that's horrible, if God is near and at hand, the very, the most natural thing to do for me in that moment is to call out to him because he's right there, because I'm living in his presence and he's active with me. So when I'm aware of that, I pray much more often. I'm much more ready to do that. And finally, it changes for me how I deal with evil that I encounter. With the knowledge of God's presence with me, when evil comes my way, it's not a serious threat to my well-being. Instead, it becomes an opportunity for me to see God overcome it with good. When evil comes my way and I'm adjusted to the reality that I'm living in God's presence, 
Evil is an opportunity for God to display his power and overcome that evil with good. So let's go on to the, the next phrase that's repeated three different times. The next phrase, phrase is, our God is our refuge and God is our fortress. So what is this saying about God? Think with me for a minute. What is this saying to us about who God is and who we are? Well, a refuge or a fortress, they're both places that we run into. They're places to hide from danger and from enemies. It's saying that God is the one we are meant to run to for safety. Take a minute and just imagine a fortress with me. What does this fortress look like? Tall, thick, stone, impenetrable walls. A door that can only be opened from the inside. I'm wondering what else is coming to your mind. It's worth, when you're meditating on scripture, to use your God-given imagination to try to visualize these images. It will help the truth that we're reading be anchored in your heart in a way that just hearing it will not. I'd encourage you, if you're of an artistic bent, this week, sketch a fortress. Just sketch it out. What does that look like? And then anchor this truth about God to it. Martin Luther, you might know that name, one of the leaders of the Protestant Reformation, loved Psalm 46. He loved this imagery of God as a fortress. And for many during his time, this was known as Luther's Psalm because of his love for it. He wrote the hymn, A Mighty Fortress, from this psalm, from the truths that we just read and were talking about, to capture them for himself and for others. Specifically, though, during one of his darkest days in the year 1527, the Black Plague was moving through Europe and through Germany. His son was gravely ill, near death. And Luther was simultaneously experiencing more and more persecution and opposition to his reforming ideas. And as he faced that darkness, he penned that hymn and he would sing this, a sure stronghold our God is he, a timely shield and weapon. Our helper he will be and set us free from every ill can happen. Luther knew and we all know that the need for a refuge or fortress is a universal human need. It's true of both the literal storms, bad weather, but also figurative storms that we face as we go through life. When we seek shelter from a storm, maybe in a solid building or in a basement, we're seeking something that is solid, something that can block the wind, shield us from the rain and the snow and the hail, and something that can provide a place for us to rest when we otherwise couldn't rest at all. Two weekends ago, I had the joy of joining Christoph and the youth for their camping weekend. It was the best non-camping camping weekend we could have imagined. When we left Peshtigo, it was glorious, sunny and warm. We were checking the radar. The radar looked fine. But about five minutes before we arrived at our campsite in the beautiful Kettle Moraine just south of Fond du Lac, the sky was getting very, very dark. And just before we, before we pulled into the campsite, the sky just opened up with torrential rain and some hail. 
It was really intense. So we were sitting, you can imagine us, leaders and then youth in cars, sitting at the side of our campsite. No one was going to get out of the car and set up a tent. We stayed put. Because the cars in that moment were our refuge from the storm. From the rain and the wind and the hail. You may have heard that we didn't end up getting to camp in tents that weekend at all. The storm kept growing and churning. It's one of those ones you look on the radar and you think it's going to be over in 15 minutes. And then more and more kept coming. And the next day, more, more storms came through. But, but the weekend was not ruined because God had gone ahead of us and he provided a refuge for us and loving people who hosted us. Mike and Mary, hello, if you're listening today. All 15 youth and four leaders of us. That's not a small task. It's not a small thing to host that many people. Once we ran into our shelter, their beautiful home, the weather outside didn't matter much. When we were in our shelter, youth were able to play and laugh. They were able to hear and read and reflect on God's word. They were able to pray and enjoy God together and to rest. They were shielded from the storms. They were in the house. That's what fortresses and refuges do for us. They enable us to be and live in a way that we wouldn't without them. They protect us and surround us. And this reminds me of all the weather that we keep hearing about right now in our world and the people who are suffering in it right now, especially people in Haiti and other places. I just want to take one minute. We just pray with me that God would be a fortress and a shield for people who need it this morning. Lord, we, we believe that this is true about who you are. And we lift up before your throne families in Haiti and around the world who this morning are facing literal storms that have uprooted their life, that have taken loved ones and destroyed homes. We pray for your mercy and your grace and your help for each one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. He is with us in those literal storms like we had that weekend. And then there are the storms in our lives and in our world that have nothing to do with the weather, right? There are physical threats like war and violence, which this psalm mentions. And this psalm encourages us, encourages us to sing in the face of those threats. He makes the wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. The Lord of hosts will make all war cease. He will bring lasting and permanent peace to the whole earth, even destroying all the means of war. For me, this brings to mind Psalm 20 that says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall, but we will rise and stand upright. Again, because the Lord is our fortress. So in this psalm, in this, in this passage, and then in others, there's a looking back and a remembering about what God has done. So the people who would originally have sung this would have been thinking about all the different nations that had enslaved them and oppressed them, that God had delivered them from, and that they were hoping to be delivered from in the future. But it's also meant to help us anticipate his final activity 
when he will set all things right. There's a remembering and an anticipation of the future throughout this. So the world has plenty of uncertainties, plenty of dangers, things that are out there. But then there are those internal threats. Robbie talked about these last week when we looked at Psalm 36. Our own sin, our own brokenness that manifests itself in all sorts of dead-end thinking patterns and ways of coping with the world. This is where the battle really rages for us. And this is where we need to know that God is our fortress and run into him for safety. It's inevitable as humans that we are going to run into something for safety and a refuge as we go through life. That is inevitable. The question is, will the place that we seek refuge in from the storm truly be a safe place? Or will we be worse off having entered it and sought protection there? I have in mind all the ways that we get through life apart from Christ. You may have had the heartbreaking experience of watching someone that you love run into a place that they thought would be a refuge but ended up being just the opposite. But then what about you and what about me? What are the places that we have sought refuge that were really fortresses made of paper-thin walls? Where have we done that? There are obvious ones that came to my mind like alcohol and substances to cope with life, escapism and fantasy, anything to distract us from reality that's around us. Maybe it manifests itself in you like in a sexual brokenness where we make that our primary identity and focus our life around it. Or maybe it's money. Accumulate enough money and then you'll be safe. Recently, it seems to me like special knowledge, inside knowledge of the world and events in the world is a refuge for many. Whatever we have turned to, for refuge and safety that is not God, who is our true fortress, that thing is going to make us more unsafe than before we entered it, seeking safety. But what is the effect of this truth? What happens because of it? The psalmist could boldly say in verse 2, Therefore we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, we will not fear. This is a poetic picture of earthquakes, yes, but then of something even more terrifying, a massive mountain made of rock being moved into the heart of the sea. This is a poetic way of describing worst-case scenario. We will not fear, even if the unimaginable happens, because God is our refuge and our strength. No matter the event or the circumstance, we will be okay in our fortress. I want to be clear though, this is not to say that horrific things don't happen. They do. That is why this truth is so important. That is why Jesus taught us to pray, Father, deliver us from evil, because evil things really do happen in the world and to us. But we trust that those things, when they happen to us and around us, cannot derail, they cannot thwart God's good purposes for us, his people. There is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. The psalmist goes on, if you look at the psalm again, 
to describe God's people as a city where God is present in the middle of it. Despite the surrounding nations raging, the city of God will not be moved. This again is meant to bring our mind the memory of the ways that God has protected and been with his people in the past and then to help us right now look forward to the final and ultimate deliverance we'll have in Christ when he returns, when he will set all things right. I want to move your eyes now to verse 10. Look at verse 10. This is the first time in the psalm where God turns to the people and speaks directly to them. The rest of the psalm had been God revealing who he is and what he does. But when we come to verse 10, God issues a command to us. Listen to what he says. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God looks at us and he says, be still and know that I am God. Church, God is calling us to a subversive stillness. A subversive stillness. I love the word subversive. It means seeking to undermine an established system or institution. Something that seeks to overthrow or destroy some power or authority. How is being still and knowing God subversive? Because it quietly yet powerfully undermines the spirit of the age that says, rescue yourself, protect yourself at all cost. Spend all your time on money because money is all you need. In the face of that pressure, in the face of anxiety, fear, calamity, or just the mundane busyness that we all find ourselves in, we can be still. We can rest and breathe and know that God is God. All that is wrong will be set right. Jesus taught us something similar when he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. How is that possible that the meek are going to inherit the earth? Isn't it the proud bully who will get his way and inherit the earth? The proud bully who tramples over the meek and gets his way? It's possible because even though things can appear a certain way, that doesn't necessarily mean that's how they are, right? Right now, it appears like the powerful, the proud, the bully is getting his way. But just like we're able to sleep through a storm in a safe place, we can face that, that danger, wars, calamities, bullies. Because we run into our fortress, the Lord of hosts. This restful trust in God undermines all powers who usurp his authority and vie for God's throne. When we're still before them, they see how powerless they actually are. But shouldn't we be frantic? Shouldn't we be panicked, cowering at the overwhelming strength of the threats that are outside of us and the threats that are inside of us? Only if we're on our own. Only if we're the ones that need to defend and protect ourselves, then yes, we should be frantic, hurried, frazzled, doing everything we can to rescue ourselves from those threats around us. But not if we know that God is with us. 
for most of us, that stillness, this rest and trust in God's protection and help requires cultivation. It requires development of some kind. It's something that we need to practice so that it can become more and more regular, more and more normal for us throughout our days. Just a couple ideas that have helped me that maybe would help you. Silence and solitude. Those are two things that I would recommend as means of experiencing this stillness, this trust and rest in God and his control. Silence is just where we turn off all external noise. So voices, radios, TVs, phones. And then we also work at silencing the inner noise that's within us. That's silence. And then solitude is where we get away from everyone else where we deprive ourselves of the company of other people. When you combine silence and solitude, you're left with just you and God. And I have found that just sitting with God, doing nothing other than being with him that way for 15 minutes can totally change my experience of his presence with me that day. So I would commend that to you. Try it for five minutes and see what happens being still before him. Another practice that is important is to fill our minds and hearts with what is true about God. Filling our minds with this psalm, Psalm 46, and other scriptures will change what we know to be true about the world, and that knowledge will change the way that we live in it. Patrick, the once slave in Ireland and then later missionary to Ireland, and other Celtic Christians of of his era, of Patrick's era, prayed vivid and detailed prayers of protection. It's worth looking up some of their prayers. I'll give you a sample of one of Patrick's prayers. Christ be with me. Christ within me. Christ behind me. Christ before me. Christ beside me on my left and on my right. Christ above me. Christ below me. Christ in quiet, Christ in danger, Christ be all around me. I'm sure you can imagine if if that is a prayer that is in your heart, what that does for your experience of this truth, that God is a very present help in trouble. Praying prayers like that one from Patrick and writing our own will help us run into God as our fortress practically really enacting that behavior. Church, because of Christ and through Christ, we have been reconciled to God. We've been connected to the Lord of the universe. We have received new life and we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The God of angel armies is with us. And because of that, because of that rock-solid truth, we are always okay. Always with Christ before us, behind us, beside us, above us, and below us, we can be still. Soul still before a mighty God who cares for us and takes care of us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth that we are not alone, that we are not our own protectors or saviors. Thank you that you are a mighty fortress that we can run into. Lord, I pray that that truth
that your spirit would make that vivid for each one of us? Would you give us faith that we don't have that we want to believe that you are with us? Would you help us to taste and see that you are God, that you are good, and that you take care of every need we have? Please continue to transform us and shape us into your image through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.